0: Rob Manfred pulled a rope of dope on Thursday. He said a few good things, a lot of bad things, and a couple of ugly things. We'll break down all of that coming up.
1: You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts on all platforms, including YouTube. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, head over there so you can see mine and Jeff's wonderful faces each and every day. I'm Stephen Offenbaker alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball, a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. And we have taken that passion and we have turned it into information for you. Today, we're going to talk about the press conference that Rob Manfred had uh, and we're going to break it down into three pretty easily digestible components. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about something we think is bad. And then we're going to talk about something that we think is downright ugly. And Jeff, I think that there weren't very many surprises in the press conference that hashtag Manfred hates baseball held today. But I do think that there were a couple good nuggets to come out of that. And I think we can start right there uh, with the good, which is, I think, the implementation officially of the universal designated his hitter throughout major league baseball
0: yeah i'd agree steve that uh the dh has been something that we all have expected for a couple of years now in fact whenever it wasn't a thing in 2021 we're all like all right that seems a little bit off, but I guess I get it. You're going to use it as a bargaining chip and we're not going to make the game better. That's great. I Listen, all you need to know is last year, pitchers had over 4,800 plate appearances and they hit 110. Is that good for baseball? Is that really what we want to watch? Sounds like a Reds third baseman to me. <laughs> yeah there's a couple of Reds third basemen that fit that profile um no yeah I I, I'm all for this I think that it's nice that he was able to kind of drop this off as kind of like you said it was a nugget it's a kind of thing that gets you a little bit more excited we're still in the middle of a lockout we're not
1: closer to a deal but that feels good it feels good to talk about this doesn't it it does and I, I will be the first one to admit that for the longest time I was anti-designated hitter in the National League, and you know I understand people that that didn't feel that way, but I enjoyed not so much the strategy of the double switch. I think that that gets that kind of buries the conversation a little bit. What it really was for me was that it made the bench important it made there be some value on having guys because you were gonna have to do the double switch. So you needed some players around that were slightly above average and coming off the bench and and helping the team out. Now, modern baseball and analytics and playing the matchups has changed that a little bit. I mean, we've seen it with David Bell time and time again. Uh, Regardless of changing the pitcher, David Bell is going to play the matchups and he's going to do righty-lefty swaps. So there's still going to be an importance of the bench. There's still going to be an importance of having guys around that may not necessarily be your everyday starter, but that can contribute. And then now you get the added benefit of having that extra ninth bat in the lineup and not having to watch pitchers go up there and stand and watch three strikes blow by and then head back to the dugout. So, you know, I think it's a win-win. You get to keep the strategy. You get to keep the importance of the bench. You get to create another job in Major League Baseball for a player who maybe never played the field well or is aging a little bit and declining with uh, their speed in the field, but that can still rake in the batter's box. So I think it's a win-win all the way around.
0: What are you going to miss most about pitchers hitting?
1: I think the the unexpected oh my god they hit a home run you know those <laughs> those those rare moments where they do something and you're like oh my god what just happened he hit the ball uh I'll miss that but beyond that I won't miss any of it
0: no I'm, I'm not Really, it's funny because I texted a couple of people, a couple of friends of the shows, and things like that, and I got some varied responses depending on who you asked. I got um, a crying laughing emoji from Lance. He he's obviously not going to miss it. Um, Mo said the you know the self um, the self uh, what was the word? Okay, yeah the the applause that all of the fans had whenever a pitcher laid down a uh, successful sacrifice bunt uh yeah Uh, obviously nobody is really going to miss them that much I think that there's probably a couple of people in the world that are trying to be just uh contrarians and saying oh come on they should have kept up pitchers hitting maybe traditionalists to an extent but come on this is all good I mean for every Michael Lorenzen there was the at bat and i was trying to look it up but of course with the lockout it's impossible to find highlight videos on mlb.com of the the at bat that max schrock was the pitcher i believe it was against the cubs and he struck out the opposing relief pitcher in extra innings um because the relief pitcher didn't want to swing like he just he stood there max schrock lobbed over three strikes pitcher looked at him walked back to the dugout
1: yeah. And, you know, and to be fair, to be fair to uh, a couple of the groups that you just talked about, uh, let's start with the pitchers themselves. You know, I, I, you can't fault them for what their performances were like at the at the plate. The pitchers don't bat in the minor leagues anymore. No. So in many cases, a lot of these guys haven't really hit consistently since high school between their time in college or if they went straight into the minor league system, they have not been batting. And then we ask them to come up and face pitchers that are throwing 100 miles an hour. I just it's not realistic. The second part of what you said that I think is something to unpack just a little bit is some of the old-timers that are still going to cling to the idea of needing to have the pitcher's hit. And I think that it that's a byproduct of uh, some of the 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 hardcore traditionalists not really understanding the direction the game is moving as far as analytics and, and the way that management and front office staff look at how the game is being played uh, because it took me it took me a while you know as I said to really dig in and understand that that strategy that I love is really still there. those in-game decision making opportunities, are really still there. I think that uh, you know, for baseball to remain relevant, it has to evolve. And this is a great first step in that evolution to keep uh, the game entertaining and relevant. This is always an easy
0: step for me. I, I saw this coming, especially after they had it in 2020. And I thought that C. Trent made a very good point on Twitter. C. Trent Rosecrans was tweeting about this, and he said, You know, I used to be an anti DH guy, and then I realized in the middle of the shortened 2020 season that I didn't miss watching pitter, pitchers hit. I mean, come on. Who's going to miss the fact that the bases are loaded? There's two outs. And here comes the pitcher, and you know it's like the fourth inning or something. And and your pitcher is pitching all right. You're not going to pull him, so you're just going to have to give this third out up. Unless, like you said, the, the off chance he does get that hit, and then everybody's losing their minds. But again, one ten. I, I just this is an obvious obvious move for me, and I'm I'm very glad that they at least announced it and made it official. Uh, Steve, this was a good thing there, (laughs) there's more to get to because Rob Manfred presented a solution that doesn't fix any known problem, at least not that I'm aware of, and probably creates more problems. We're going to talk about what that is here in just a minute, but I tell you what, I've got a solution for you. It's called Built bar, it, it it's February by now. Your New Year's resolution is kaput, you're done. You want some beautiful, beautiful chocolate. But guess what? Built bars covered in it. Built bars got a hundred percent real chocolate. Whether you're talking about milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate, you can go for ruby chocolate as well. Which ruby chocolate is a puff. I and mean, if you haven't tried built bar puffs, you absolutely have to. And it's not like you know, little puffs, it's a puff bar, it's kind of like a Three Musketeer completely protein marshmallow, completely covered in chocolate. Absolutely delicious. Check them out today at built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 to save 15% off your next order. You can try a puff or you can try some of the amazing flavors that they have. I'm not going to lie. I was emptying out an old backpack that I don't use anymore. And I found a couple of cookie dough chunks if you see that come onto builtbar.com or built.com, you absolutely snap up a box or two of those because they are delicious. And use the promo code locked fifteen while you do, so you can get fifteen percent off built bar with their one hundred percent roast chocolate. Has the kind of statistics that will make any analytics fan cry. They're amazing. One hundred thirty calories, up to eighteen grams of protein. Get them today. Go to built.com and use the promo code locked. 15. Uh, Make sure you check out tomorrow's episode. We are going to break down exactly how what Rob Manfred said specifically affects the Reds. But we still have plenty more to unpack today, Steve, because, well, Rob Manfred said a lot of things. And, As per usual, as per, you know, quid pro quo, whatever you want to say, uh, not all of it was good, and we're going to start with something that really struck, I, I know it struck you, it struck me, draft pick compensation, no more, you don't get it anymore, if you're a small market, big market, if it's a big contract, small contract, there's no more draft pick compensation, that is dead. I'm not really sure that that moves the needle for me. Like, I, I understand that there are some players who were kind of affected by it. You had, like, I, I think of Cole Hamels, that it took him forever to sign with a team a few years ago. But for every Cole Hamels, there's plenty of other guys that sign, you know, with plenty of time to get into spring training and things like that. I, I don't think that this really does anything for me.
1: You know, there... Let's just say, first off, that the actual implementation of this was not discussed in great detail, just the fact that they have agreed to do it. And for me, there's a couple big question marks because we're already in the middle of a cycle. Uh, Teams already made qualifying offers with the expectation that if... Uh, those players aren't re-signed by the club, they're going to get a pick. So I wonder if there's going to be a one-year lag on the implementation of this. I, I can't imagine that they're, that the owners are going to be willing to just chop it off cold turkey. But, you know, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out. The, and this is the problem that I have overall with how Major League Baseball does things they have been in the in the great position for the history of the game, basically, in being able to speak in half-truths, being able to speak in veiled innuendo, and that information just gets reported, and people generally just accept it as being true. Yeah. And it is my hope that as this fan base of this sport continues to evolve, they're no longer just going to accept those things at face value. And if what I'm seeing on Twitter is any indication at all, I think that that's what's actually happening. People aren't just buying it as, oh, look, they said something great because I don't think this is something great. I think that it's another half, half uh, I don't know, not half-baked, but just half, half-spoken idea that they hope uh, gives them the uh, benefit of the doubt in the fan base that they're actually trying something and I'm not quite sure that's what's happening.
0: Maybe undercooked. We can go with undercooked. Ideas. Undercooked is fair. I I think that uh, this is something that, okay... Whatever. I, I don't think that, that deters a large market team from signing people. The luxury tax doesn't. The luxury tax for or the luxury tax does, but the draft pick compensation of luxury tax doesn't. Everybody's just worried about the financial penalties. Like there are teams that will exceed the luxury tax threshold in a couple of tiers and be like, Oh, look at that. We lost a draft pick. Nobody cares about that. They care about the financial penalty to do it all. It's all about money anyway. So when it comes to draft pick compensation, this isn't really something that I felt like was any sort of move in one way or the other. And I think part of it is you just look for this as a kind of posturing press conference a little bit, which we'll get into in just a few minutes when we kind of talk about the weird demeanor that Rob Manfred had. But, Overall, I mean, quick analysis, if it's implemented currently, right away, right now, teams like the Reds, the Rockies, they're not going to be happy about it. Um, I know our friend Paul Holden over at Locked on Rockies is like, oh boy, I bet they're going to be real mad in Colorado whenever they didn't trade Trevor Story because, well, they just figured they were going to get draft pick compensation anyway. I I think the Reds were never going to even consider trading Nick Cassiano, so that wasn't ever a thing there so yeah whatever that that's uh, differing perspectives but if Nick Castellanos ends up going somewhere like we all think we're not going to get draft pick compensation should that be implemented directly the other thing that I found interesting that he said and again an undercooked idea is he talked about a draft lottery this is something that uh it's been rumored it's something that has come up in previous negotiations and uh different proposals, both the owners and the players agree on the idea of a draft lottery. But this is kind of like, you know, when you're trying to coach your coach, your best friend through a toxic relationship, do you like the idea of her or do you like her? And right now, all we know is there is an idea of a draft lottery.
1: Well, let's, let's start with why this matters. Uh, The idea in instituting a draft lottery is to prevent tanking. It's to create better competition And the idea is that that would turn to players getting more good players being signed, more good players getting better contracts. Uh, So it helps the players from that standpoint. It helps the fans with there being better competition on the field because, you know, going out and only winning 40 games doesn't necessarily get you the first round draft pick any longer. So from that standpoint, a draft lottery is good, but it's not great if it's only the top three to five teams that are participating in that lottery uh, you know, if you go and look at the standings each and every year, the the number of games that separate those teams is really not that many. So this really is, we're not going to change anything by changing something. And again, we can say, look at us, we are trying. Uh, if you're coming from the ownership standpoint. And I just don't like it. I don't like that they are already turning to the disingenuous media negotiations. And that's what today was in my mind. I'm
0: trying to think of an example. I, I think it's kind of like, like, if, you're, if you really don't like doing the dishes, and your wife already did the dishes, they're in the dishwasher, they're all done, they're ready to go, and, uh, you know, maybe you empty the dishwasher for her, but that's all you really did. I, I feel like, sure, what they're doing is a thing, but they could have done a lot more, and they could have said a lot more, and probably they will say a lot more on Saturday whenever they talk to the union, but this also kind of feels like a setup, like, well, <laughs> see we 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 said we said what we were going to do. I I unloaded that dishwasher. Look at that. I don't I don't I didn't do anything. Like I didn't sit on my butt and like be lazy. This is a setup and I feel like probably we're going to get into this a lot more in the next segment, but I just I look at draft pick compensation, I look at a draft lottery and I say all right, that's not what the union has said is their big hangups. And he did not address any of the big hangups. In fact, the only thing he said about that was, oh, it's really hard to own a baseball team.
1: Yeah, they're, they're so poor, Jeff. They're so poor. You know, I think the big, the big takeaway from this whole thing, Jeff, is that the draft pick compensation piece of this really doesn't affect a lot of players. And it really doesn't affect... Uh, The needle very much at all you know the other piece of it is that uh that draft lottery which has the potential to to be a game changer but not as it's currently being discussed and i don't think either one of them really moved the needle enough for us to to start getting excited about a deal being reached in in the next couple days uh you know no matter what they were saying no matter what they were saying though jeff there was something off in the way that that rob manfred Carried himself, conducted himself in this press conference, and we'll get into that coming up in the next segment because, you know, I think that uh, the media team over at MLB was really working on trying to create a, a softer, gentler Rob Manfred and uh, we're going to dig into that, but before we dig into that, I do want to talk to you about betonline.net. Uh, betonline.net has you covered the entire season long with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Uh, they've got Super Bowl stuff for you coming up. Go Bengals. day! But they also have stuff for all the sports you're interested in. They've got UFC. They've got hockey. They've got basketball. They've got it all. So head on over to betonline.net. It remains the best spot for all of your sports scores and news this coming season. You know, as I said, it is not just football. They've got up-to-the-minute things and information for pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, the list goes on and on. It's all comes along with live, real-time updates of the games as they are happening. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers over at BetOnline.net for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked on Red your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms and we're over at YouTube with our exclusive Locked on Reds video feed. Head over there, click subscribe even if you're an audio only listener because as the season gets underway, once this awful lockout ends, we're going to have exclusive YouTube only content that you're not going to want to miss. So head over there, click the subscribe button. You won't miss a thing and we'll be with you all season long once baseball gets underway. Now, Jeff, we've talked about the good and we've talked about the bad, and it's probably time that we get into the ugly. And for me, the ugly doesn't immediately reveal itself. You have to dig a little bit. And if you actually see the the video of Rob Manfred's conference today, uh, he was clearly making an effort to be a softer, smiley, engaging Major League Baseball commissioner that he's never been. This was a whole different Rob Manfred, and clearly he was being coached. Clearly the media team over at Major League Baseball was working with him a little bit. And I really think... That he is trying to pull what uh, an old boxing term would be a -a rope-a-dope. I think that he is introducing these, these things that everybody can kind of get excited about and give a little golf clap to. Because when Major League Baseball's owners come to the table this coming Saturday, I think they're probably about to drop something on the players that's going to make the players walk out of the meeting. And then they get to, again, try to present this narrative of being the ones that are trying, being the ones that are giving, Uh, while all along it's just a game of misdirection.
0: This was the press conference version of Rob Manfred going, see, we're giving you a universal DH. We're getting rid of draft pick compensation. Accept our offer on Saturday. Like, that's what's going to happen. And it's going to be something that if the players don't, he's going to come back on Monday. and He's going to be completely different. I mean, what we saw today was Smiley Manfred. Smiley Manfred was kind of creepy. To be honest with you, in fact, he began at the very, at the very beginning of the press conferences when he started because he walked up to the podium, and got the mic, and he's like, oh, here's the, uh, "Oh yeah, you guys can hear me anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know me. I'm old Robbie Manfred, man. I, you know, I love baseball. I'm optimistic, man. Baseball, I'm, I'm baseball Baseball's good. Okay, he didn't really do that, but that was essentially what I got out of it because a lot of that was so rosy and so like." I mean, sure, he got into the contentious nature of the negotiations and how they are perceived and how they are so very different from negotiations that he's been through in the past, but largely it was almost as if, kind of like you said, People have been working with him and he was trying to paint himself as the good guy. I think he is so far down the road of the heel that there's no coming back from this. There's no way he's going to turn into a baby face like this is a thing right now that he has just got to kind of deal with. And I think that whatever he did today, it made me feel a little bit better, like 10 percent better. Like you know, whatever happened, whenever A. Eugenio Suarez got a couple of hits in September, we felt a lot better about him then. I still feel better about A. Eugenio Suarez than I felt about that press conference.
1: Oh, I, I don't feel great about the press conference at all because I don't think that he really said anything. I think if you really unpack uh, what he had to say, the biggest the biggest concerning nugget for me was this this optimistic game face that he tried to put on talking not not specifically saying that spring training is going to be delayed listen jeff spring training was supposed to start approximately four days from now spring training is delayed it is not going to start on time even if by some miracle they're in a room right now signing an agreement spring training cannot start on time for major league players on the 40-man roster it cannot happen so he needs to say that stop stop messing around with trying to come up with creative ways to say that it's not going to happen when it clearly is it's already happening the second piece of that Jeff is that he talked about being optimistic that the season was going to start on time but he wrapped it right up in there with the not being able to admit that spring training was going to be changed the fact of the matter is the season can still start on time and spring training not starting on time doesn't necessarily mean that the season won't start on time. We have to talk again about the fact that the players want a shorter spring training. The owners have figured out that spring training is making them money. If you've been to Goodyear and seen the ballpark sell out prior to COVID, there is money to be had there and I think it's a case of the owners attempting to be a little bit greedy again. So, you know, I think it was again very disingenuous. I think that Manfred's best strategy would be to just come out and tell the truth. And I think people would respect that a whole lot more than the half truths and the the crooked smile and the everything is rosy presentation.
0: I, I perceived it to be like when you were a kid and you broke the lamp while your parent was at work or something like that, or maybe they went out to get the newspaper or whatever. I don't know. Like they weren't there and you broke the lamp. And they came back in and you're like, Oh, can I get your coat? Can I can I hang it up for you? Yeah. Yeah, can do you need me? Can I get that? Can I can I hold that for you? You know, you're trying to distract them from what was about to happen. It was it, I, I tweeted out. I'm just like this is like when the mechanic tells you about how clean your car is before dropping the news on you that your repairs are going to cost more than your car is worth. It's just I I think that it's kind of kismet. He's there's something in that offer on Saturday for the players' union that they're not going to like that they're not going to accept. And he is trying to paint a picture in which their disapproval of the next proposal from the owners just makes them look like the biggest villains that ever villained. And to be honest with you, it, it, cause he talked about, you know, well, we really wanted to bring in a federal, a federal mediator to uh, break up this deadlock. It's like th- there's a deadlock when two parties are negotiating. One party's negotiating. The other party isn't and whatever they're going to offer on Saturday is not going to be adequate.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, every time I think that the owners can't make it worse, they do. So I am really concerned about what Saturday holds as far as this this counter offer, this thing that's being presented. You know, you and I had a conversation off air that we should probably have on air that I think it was a great point, point. Uh, and that was you... Um, Discussing that the owners feel like they're being asked to take a pay cut. Are you kidding me? A pay cut? You know what? I don't care. I don't care. You know what? Yes. Every penny that expenses increase is a penny less that the owners make. But we're talking about people that are now going to make $900 million instead of a billion dollars. I do not care. I mean, they continue to cut off their noses to spite their faces, and it makes me crazy because there is so much money to go around, more money than the regular everyday persons like me and you can fathom. Yeah. And, and these guys are screwing it up. It's just its terrible, and they need to move forward. And you know, maybe they're going to have to suffer uh, some uh, uh, serious damage to the game beyond what we've seen before they figure it out, but uh, I hope it doesn't come to that, Jeff.
0: I, I hope not either. Because I, I almost feel like even though they say they're not, you know, that Rob Manfred said he's like, the owners are aware of the damage that it would cause should we delay games. I think they're aware. You can be aware of something and still be okay with it. Like, you know, it's just the way of the world. And the way that he presented the whole take it idea goes back to the weird, rosy disposition that he had throughout this entire press conference, obviously being coached, obviously being trained to, you know, not look like you're just this blunt dude that's saying bad things, but, he got up to the mic and he was, you know, somebody asked him a question that led him to this answer. And he's like, gosh, gosh, darn. Don't you know? Like the, the players, man, they just, they had this offer and it's, it's uh, akin to a pay cut, you know, to, to the owners. I mean, there's not much money to go around. It's like, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, if you believe that, that means that you believe that Steve Cohen, Hal Steinbrenner, the Guggenheim baseball management group that, owns the Dodgers and all the other large market owners are just sitting fire to cash. And if you're a small market owner, you're living in a van down by the river. Like, no, 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 just, no, 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 nobody's buying
1: that. I, I love that you're Rob Manfred impersonation presumes that he's from northern minnesota that was great i don't know where that came from (laughs) but I, i will tell you that your point is not lost on me uh none of these owners are poor now granted like anything else in life some have more money than others but there is nobody hurting for dinner tonight and they need to figure it out you're right you know they are aware the question is what do they do with that information that they're aware of it if if they until not if they until they understand that what they do is going to cost them money and until it does cost them money I don't think it matters so hopefully they figure out here really quick that their best bet is to put butts in the seats and the the best way to do that is to field competitive teams with players that are happy and ready to go out and play and and draw us all in. And your best bet is bet on light. No, I'm just kidding. We already did that.
0: That's going to wrap up this edition of locked on reds coming up on our next podcast. We look at how the universal DH affects the reds specifically. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about, and and, and I've also got a good idea that uh, Steve really hasn't told me if he likes this idea or not, but I I think he does. We're going to do a draft of hitting pitchers. Each of us are going to pick three pitchers each when it comes to their uh, ability at the plate. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Now go make Locked on Bets your second listen as your boy Q and Lee Sterling help you make some cash over at Online. That's Locked on Bets, just like Locked on Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Steve, we might be locked out. It might be the off season, and Rob Manford might be saying some real strange stuff. But what are
1: we? We are still locked on Reds every single day.